Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Equipped to Be Show with Connie Albers. Equipped to Be is a podcast dedicated to helping you discover and develop your unique strengths, gifts, and talents so you can apply them to all areas of life. So let's get ready to dive into how you are equipped to be. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Equipped to Be. I'm so glad you're here today. I am your hostess, Connie Albers, and we're going to talk about money today. I have a guest on this podcast you're absolutely going to love. He, his name is Ed Vargo, and he is basically a money mentor for women. That's primarily what he focuses on. He's got a new endeavor called Enlighten Her, which we're going to dive in and talk about. But you know, money is an important topic, especially for women, and it's also one we don't often talk about. So Ed is going to be joining me on this program. We're going to unpack all things that pertain to money and how you're using it, and also How do you teach your children, especially your teens? He is like me. He is a father of five kids. So he has five kids and I have five kids. So we kind of get this whole, you know, different temperaments, different personalities, and all of them work with money. The difference is Ed and his wife have five daughters. And, you know, I have two daughters and three sons uh, and then two daughter-in-law. So it is, it's a great topic. I know you're going to love it. And I can't wait to dive in and let you learn from Ed Vargo. Hey, Ed, thanks for coming to the program today. I am so glad you're with us. Listen, I would love for you, I, I know I was reading your bio and you've got some pretty impressive credentials uh, behind you. And I would love for you just to take a few minutes and tell my audience maybe a little bit more about you and why you're doing what you're doing. Well, thank you, Connie. I appreciate you having me on the the show today. Yeah, as mentioned, um, I have five daughters, and that gets me the most notoriety, of course. It's not (laughs) often you see um, so many women together at the same time. Their ages is between 14 and 21. So Mm. uh, especially when they were younger, boy, did we get a lot of attention (laughs) when we had, you know, five kids, six and under, all running around. So did you hear, hey, you know know how that happens, right? I mean, I used to get that all the time. I would just smile like, yep, I sure do. Right. You could you could see and feel the people watching you and, and certainly not in a bad way, but in a bemused, bemused way, like, oh, those poor folks. Yeah. <laughs> Look at them with all those girls. I probably would have looked at you and thought, man, he's got five weddings to pay for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody says like, oh, you're poor dad. They say to my girls all the time, <laughs> oh, you're poor dad. But uh, it's amazing how fast they grow. And, you know, now they're 14 and 21. I've got three basically in college this fall. And a sophomore and a senior in high school. So um, it's really not your, not the weddings I'm worried about. It's all the college <laughs> at this point. But, um, but yeah, you know, when you talk about motivation and why you do what you do, you know, I've been in financial services for the past 20 years and I've been working directly with women one-on-one to help them in their financial lives, basically start, begin with the end of mind mentality. What mm-hmm. are my goals? What am I working towards? And then what, how can my money support me as I'm working towards these goals and as, uh, as I've gotten deeper into working with women and finding out about what their real struggles are and the things that are kind of consistently holding women back, and we realized that um, we wanted to have a broader outreach, a bigger footprint. And so I created a company called Enlighten Her, and it's a digital media company that's designed for money mentorship for women where 
our intention is to try and provide as much guidance towards women holistically and then how to take that, in, that information and that knowledge and pass it down to their children, to mm-hmm. their daughters. So be strong yourself to help your daughter become stronger and be stronger for her family and so forth. So it's about generational change, not just one group, but passing it on into the future. Oh, I love that. And yeah, you know, I've, I've had both spectrums. I've been on the side where I grew up, um, you know, my mom, my dad, they, they got divorced when I was young. My mom was an immigrant from South Korea, didn't read the language, never wrote the language, has never driven. And, you know, during that time when they end up um, breaking up, mm-hmm. like I had no idea why. You know, you're a young kid, you have no idea about these things. But I didn't realize until later about, you know, one of the major reasons she wasn't able to I'll back up a step because my, my father was the sole um, single parent for us, four children. Mm. So very unusual in those days for the father to get children. Mm-hmm. And But my mom had no ability to take care of us financially. Right. Like she had no economic mobility. So, you know, she had no options in that case, in that situation. And so that's kind of a horrible thing. You think about a mother who has no chance of being with their her children because of financial reasons. And that, that really made an impact on you, didn't it? It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not talking least, about you know. what it did to you. Like as a child, you couldn't go buy the latest, greatest things because you were with your father. No. But just how that her scenario. I mean, how many people really dive into what they witness from like their own family in that case of your mom, and it's become your life's work. Yeah, I and mean, it certainly has. It's it's basically. I think about it from two ways. One is I never would want to see another woman have to go through that again. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the sort of from a career perspective, or from an you know the creation of this company, enlighten her. You know, we can help be in a position, or try to be in a position to help women never be in in a similar position as my mom again. That's mm-hmm. sort of the driving emotional motivation behind it. But also, I look at my girls, and I know how important money is, uh, and our understanding of it, and how we use it to being able to be a strong, independent woman. I want my girls to be strong, independent, formidable women. And mm-hmm. I know if they don't maintain control of their money and aren't knowledgeable about it, then they're going to cede some of that. You know, they may not be as strong or as independent as they'd like to be. And all too often what happens is women tend to, if you get in a relationship and you turn over the finances to the husband, not out of just because because life gets busy or maybe because your husband's more interested in it and it's just natural to have this division of labor, yada, yada. Yeah. But next thing you know, you've put yourself in a very vulnerable position by not maintaining control of your most personal, your most valuable personal asset. So, yeah, motivations are multiple levels in terms of what not to do, but also the power of what it could be if you do this right. Right. Well, all right. So now I want to dive in because I we were talking earlier, and I asked you, you know, what do what are some of the things you do? Because uh, you 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 are a money mentor for women. When you do a lot of one on one, you want. I know you've mentioned to me you want women to make learn how to make better decisions with money. Tell us a little bit about what do you do when you are working with a woman? How do you take her through this process of? helping her learn to make better decisions. Yeah, at the core of all good financial decision-making is understanding what do you want to get out of life? Like, what are your goals? What are you working towards? Because mm-hmm. money, if we really understand what money is, it's just a tool. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, 
It's something that we can use to better our lives if done properly. I, I say money's a multiplier. It amplifies. Mm. So if we know what's really important to us, let's say that, and I'll use myself as an example, is um, my re- relationships is one of my core values. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to be able to provide for my family. That's the most important thing to me. And so then if I, if I start to define that a little bit further, it might mean I'm always willing to invest in education for my children. Mm-hmm. That's, a re- that's a core value of mine. I will always invest in their betterment, right? Mm-hmm. their growth. Well, if I know that, then I can take a step back and look at how I'm using my money and ask myself a simple question. Is my money, how, how if I'm using my money in a way that's in alignment with these goals. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what those goals are, if you don't know what's really important to you and you don't have them written down or they're not in front of you all the time, well, chances are you're going to get distracted. Life's going to get busy. Somebody's going to come up and put something shiny in front of you, which is fun and exciting in the moment, but maybe that is not in alignment with, mo- with what is most important to you. And because money is a scarce resource, right? We don't have it in a limited supply of it. We have wait a to minute. You don't have a wait, 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 wait. You don't have a money tree. My my kids always thought there was a money tree in the backyard. You're saying that, I know, shocking, that money right? is. <laughs> you're saying money is is limited. So you want women to be wise and learn to be wise with it by understanding, you know, what their over what their overarching goal is like you you really want to make sure that you one of your core values was that your kids had education right so that's one of the pillars that you really focus on is that right that's right and because as you said there are no money trees right there <laughs> I wish. what our what our <laughs> yeah despite what our kids think and sometimes society expects there there are no money trees and so because of that we have to make values based decisions. We have to learn to prioritize. And if you prioritize with your values in mind, front and center, chances are you're going to make consistently better decisions because your money is going towards the most important things in your life. And when you have more money, you can be more, you can do more things, right? You, you won't have to be as tight or as um, precise with your money being in direct alignment with your values. But the less money you have, the more important is to really understand what's most important to you because a mistake when you have less money is magnified. So the thing about money, again, is it's an amplifier. So if you make a good decision with money, it can enhance whatever that decision is, right? Mm -hmm. Money can help you do more of. But if you make a bad decision, it can really take away from those things. Mm. And so think about today and how people operate. They get a paycheck and they have a tendency to to not be deliberate with their dollars, with their spending. Mm. Now, and then they want to, though. They, you know, when we talk to folks and we look at, the, you know, the studies, we understand people say, look, I want to save more for retirement. It's really important to me. Oh, and I know I should be putting money away from a rainy day fund. And then you ask them, well, okay, you, you understand that these are gaps. What are you doing to fix them? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, nothing, not, not really anything. You know, so you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> you recognize there's a problem. You're a sane adult, right, in the workforce contributing, but then again, your behaviors are actually taking away from what you just said was important to you. So this is called cognitive dissonance, right? So where we know we're supposed to be doing one thing that's good for us, and yet we do completely the opposite. And it happens all the time with money. 
Uh, do you find that it happens more uh, with women or do you find that, no, that's just across the board. You just happen to, you know, want to really focus on it equipping women, which is why I have equipped to be, because I think we are, we need to be improving in, in all areas of life, uh, but especially money. So are you find do you find this like across the board issue or do you see gender, um, having more of an impact women not being as involved in the money as say they're if you're married spouses obviously if you're single you you are all in because you're you know you're it but uh, i'm just curious what you think about that yeah there's actually multiple layers to your question so when it comes to this idea of cognitive dissonance you know i say one thing and i do another that's not unique to each either gender like we both men and women both do this we mm-hmm. both know we should be using our money in a certain way, and yet we can't quite get ourselves to do it. So that's very common across the board. There are differences in terms of how men and women think of money and the role that money plays in our lives. Mm -hmm. So as an example, men think of money, and it it fits the needs of maybe status or power, or um, men can get more competitive with money. It's kind of a measuring stick, Mm. right? Kind of tells, tells us how we stack up against others. So there is more of a focus on the money itself. How much money do I have? Is it growing? What's my rate of return? Those are very masculine ways of thinking. When it comes to women, money is something different. It represents safety, security, the ability to take care of others. And the objective isn't the money itself. It's not a measuring stick. It's not about status, but it's really about being confident and feeling like, you can take care of yourself and your family and those around you. Mm. So it provides a very different need. And, and it is different. Like, so when in, in the world of finance, it's a very masculine dominated industry and not surprising because, you know, men think a certain way about money. And if they're working with other men, that works really well. Where the disconnect comes in is when women are raising their hands and saying, I want to get some guidance. And yet what they're hearing from the industry sounds like Greek. It sounds like a second language gotcha. because they're speaking, they're speaking really on different terms on different planes. And so it's important to understand those differences because if you get in a relationship, right, we see too many women turning over their financial, the big, t- the big picture of financial decisions, maybe the investing, the insurance taxes, things of that nature. They kind of you have this division of labor, right? We do this all the time in in partnerships. It's like, I take this job, you take that job. Typically, and you pick the job based upon your ability to do the job and your desire to do the job, right? So we do this all the time. It's very normal. And we don't think of it like it's a big deal. Like, so, you know, the husband cuts the grass and the the wife does the cooking. Let's just say, we'll draw a gender stereotype like that. Yeah. Well, okay, no, no big deal if... You know, if something happens in that relationship, like if the wife all of a sudden has to learn how to cut the grass, probably not a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. But if she gives up all of her control or most of her control over the money and doesn't really know what's going on with it, and then something bad happens, let's say it's a divorce or a death or something like that, something dramatic happens, now she can't just pick up the money stuff and learn it like it would be learning a typical chore in the household, right? which is why it's so important for women to always have a voice. You don't have to have equal say, you know, you have to do everything 50-50 when it comes to the money, but you can't be a silent partner. You know, that's pretty, that's very wise. I know Tom and I have been married for 35 years and he's an engineer. 
he he balances everything you know it's just part of the nature of what he does everything is precise exact and for me some things are you know i'm close if i'm five cents off in the checkbook i'll be fine but for him it has to balance every single statement that we have and everything is every penny is counted for and i'm i'm different than that we learned early in our marriage um what we, how we were going to counterbalance that. And, and one of the things we did, and I, I don't know if you talk about this with the women that you, you mentor, is we would just come together once a month, usually, because we pay ourselves once a month. We're self-employed. And we would pay ourselves once a month, and we would just sit down and decide you know, where we were going to use or allocate extra money that we had, or if we were over on anything, where we needed, where we were over and what we needed to do about it. But in, in our in our case, for many, many years, he managed all of that because I had five kids. I was homeschooling my children. I was running different organizations. And, you know, there's, it's just kind of like that. Hey, you can do this easily. And it would frustrate you if I wasn't like to the penny. So just do it. I don't care. Um, then I've noticed we've pivoted and changed over the years. Uh, some things I started to, to realize, like what you said, Ed, you start to realize, oh, wow, if something happens to you, what does a woman want to know? Are we going to be okay? Are we safe? Are we secure? And I started finding myself doing that. Personally, I would say, hey, do we have, do we have enough? If you die, are we going to be okay? <laughs> Will I be okay? And, you know, it was, it's tongue in cheek for us because uh, it, the listeners that know me know Tom and I are just, we're opposites. We're 180, which is like most couples. But what I what we started finding is I was feeling this sense of I don't I haven't had to do our taxes. I haven't had to think about where we're investing or how we're doing things like that. We talk about it, but you actually execute it. So I've had to insert myself more into that, even though I don't like it, um, to get more skilled and more uh, efficient at it. Um, and I don't know, you probably work with women that are kind of like that yourself. Yeah, well, what you just described is very common. It's like your life trajectory. So there's sort of, as you would draw it up on paper, and then what happens in the real world, right? So yeah. <laughs> in, an, I mean, in an ideal world, right, you would both be um, involved in the financial side of things, and because money is so important, right? It's mm-hmm. hard to just, you know, you can't just delegate that 100% to somebody else, or at least you shouldn't. Right. But you get busy. You have five kids. You're homeschooling. You have all these, and Tom's good at it. And you know, I trust them. And I, and this is all all these things we say, which are reasonable. And that's life because life does get busy. And mm-hmm. so, I think there's a there's a happy balance in there somewhere. And it's not always going to look the same. Like today, you could be more involved because you have more time to be involved. Mm-hmm. Maybe more of an inclination. Are you just not pulled in a thousand different directions? So there is an ebb and a flow with this, and it's not to say that um, that being out of it like you were earlier when the kids were younger was the wrong thing. I mean, you have to obviously live in reality and figure it out. And of course, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't say of course, but there is a greater vulnerability that you take on when you delegate so much to someone else. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not acceptable. Everyone has to understand what the relationship's like and where their risks lie. You know, if you're in a perfectly happy relationship, everything's comfortable, everything's good, then 
you you can let your guard down, right? That's life. We don't have to always sleep with one eye open. But if you know your relationship was a little bit more rocky, or yeah. you know you had some questions and concerns, the less involved you are on the money, the more at risk you're you're putting yourself. Right. And and I've seen we've done a lot of work with the divorcees or those who are going through divorce or just after divorce, and a lot of you know widows. Um, so we've seen the impact of what happens when things go bad with money. Mm. Right, like really bad in that sense, and we've been in, we've seen plenty of these divorce cases where the woman had no idea it was everything was fine until it wasn't, and then they're left trying to pick up the pieces, and that's the worst place to be because you're at your absolute worst, most vulnerable at the worst possible time. So the way to try and guard against it is just to be involved. You don't yeah. have to crunch the numbers, right? Like. Your husband's an engineer, right? He's going to, there's no way he's going to allow a rounding error to stand. That's not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> yes. You know this, you know, he's going to have the spreadsheet or multiple spreadsheets and that makes your eyes glaze over. But all you need to know is the bottom line, right? So you yeah. don't have to balance the books. You could just say, Hey, tell me where we are. And like you said, like, what do, what, what should this money be used towards? Like you don't really need to have a ton of financial true technical financial knowledge to be a good financial decision maker. And that's what I'm trying to get across. That's what I do with my girls today. They don't know, they don't have a lot of technical financial knowledge, hardly at all. Mm -hmm. But they do know the trade-off that they make when they spend a dollar. They understand the concept that every time I make a decision to buy something, I'm also making a decision to not buy something else. And so if I spend all my money right now, something better may come along or I may need that money and it's not going to be available because money does not grow on trees. So if we can get people to think, what are my goals? What's most important to me? What are my values? And draw them out. And then say, um, this next dollar that I'm about to spend, if I don't, what trade-off am I making? If I buy it, if I'm spending it towards something I value, I get one of the most important things in my life. That's in alignment and that's probably a good decision. But mm -hmm. if I decide not to use it towards something of value, I'm making the trade-off and I'm basically saying, well, this money can't be used towards something that's super important to me. And then at that moment, you know, they, they can either go through with the decision or not, but at least they'll be thinking about the trade-off they're making every time they use their money. You know, I love what you just said, and I'm going to use that as a transition point for us in the show as a woman learns to be wiser with her money, she starts to, I wrote a couple things down that you said, you know, she's thinking about, you know, what she's wanting out of life. Um, you may, you said something when we were talking earlier, that money is a tool. And when women realize money is a tool to achieve the goals and objectives that you have, or that to, if you're a woman for the security and the safety or to be able to take care of others, maybe it's aging parents. I had to take care of my mom for several years before she passed last year. And, you know, money is that tool. Um, we spoke a little bit about this and I, I want to dive down into when you are wise and you make wise decisions, your children, like you have five and I have five, they're watching us. They're listening to how we talk about money. They're watching and observing how we're using the money and how it impacts them, just like with your mom, the impact of her, uh, of her not having, you know, financial intelligence on, on what to do or even the ability to uh, earn and, and make or save money. When we have our kids and they're watching us, and I talk a lot about this in Parenting Beyond the Rules, our children 
are are listening and watching. They may not be telling us they are, but they are. And like you have three children in college, they're really kind of clueless as to how expensive all of this really is. But now that mine are all through college, they're looking back because they're now on their own and they're realizing that bottle of Tylenol costs $4.50. Well, that can be a lot of money when you only have X amount of dollars to spend on your, you know, in your miscellaneous budget, or, you know, maybe you would love to have a steak, but you can't do steaks right now. You got to stick to ground beef or just salads. But um, I want to talk about, we are coming out at the time of this recording. We are, we are in the middle of a pandemic. We have watched our economy just go from the best that it ever was. Stock market was high. Unemployment was low. Income earnings were great. I mean, the possibilities were endless. The housing pricing, the housing market was, you know, skyrocketing in many areas. And I mean, there was just, it was exciting, but we watched in a matter of weeks, everything changed. So Ed, let's talk about how as, a, as, as you are working with these women, there is a, a, you know, I hate to say trickle down effect, but there is a trickle down effect. Our kids are watching. So what are the things that you are specifically teaching your daughters uh, so that they can be the, that independent, wise decision maker, competent, uh, future woman that's out in the marketplace earning her, you know, earning her own way? What, what are you telling them now to prepare them for that day? Yeah, so I'm going to step back uh, and just t- touch a little bit of what you said earlier about a lot of what we teach our kids, they teach from watching us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredibly important um, because our kids are, they're always watching us. They may not be telling us that they're watching us, but they're listening. Yeah. And some, sometimes the most valuable teaching you can give them is when you're not talking to them directly, when they're listening in on your conversations with each other. So my wife and I might be talking about a topic that touches on money and we know that they're in earshot and they're listening, but because they don't know, we know, (laughs) um, we're able to have a a more authentic conversation, at least in their eyes, because as you know, as a parent, sometimes you can say something to your child and they don't listen to you, right? Because it's coming (laughs) from you. But if, if they overheard your conversation, because they think you're trying to, you know, tell them a story or teach them a lesson or whatever, they they, they tune us out. But sometimes they, they, they hear it in, with an earshot as if we weren't speaking to them. They're like, oh, they must really mean this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an <laughs> odd way, but, but that's, it's very true, you know, because sometimes, especially teens, they can't be reached directly. So sometimes you got to go, you know, kind of do an end around or, you know, trickle the idea out there. Mm-hmm. But as how that pertains to today, I think the first thing is, and it seems obvious, but we should be having conversations with our kids about what's going on. You know, our, our teens in our teens and younger, even our early 20s, kids in early, early 20s, you know, they don't have really any perspective about the world at large and certainly not the economic world and the financial world. And so we've got to try and provide them perspective. And if we're not talking about it openly, talking about how, let's say, let's say you lost your job or you had had to work, you know, fewer hours. I think the first step is just to bring them into that world and say, hey, I know you're not working right now, but I want to make you aware of like how this impacts a real person's household. Let's go through our numbers a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's just a fear factor I find with 
parents talking to their kids about money. It's there's a hesitancy there, and it's more common with women than it is for men. I think men are generally more open to having that conversation um, about money, generally speaking, uh, than women are. I think both men and women are not too keen on talking about money when it's too personal. Mm -hmm. So that's more anecdotal. I don't have a ton of research to back that up. It's just what I've noticed and I've seen is that a lot of the the guys are like, oh, we don't want to tell our kids how much money we make or the very, the very specifics of what's going on in our household, but I'll gladly tell them and teach them about money concepts in general. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a disconnect there sometimes, but I think the first step really is just to start having open and honest conversations. And then I would pull stuff from the headlines, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the stuff that they're seeing. You know, so if, if the unemployment rate jumps to the highest level it's been in 50 years, you could just ask a question and say, hey, do you know what that means? You know, don't, I wouldn't assume that they have no interest and I wouldn't assume that they know what's going on around them. And then you can start to have these conversations. Um, if you want to make it a bit more personal though, you just, again, I think you just walk them through what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting like, where we are right now. Uh, I, I may have mentioned this there. I have five children, three are married and my husband and I, so there's 10 of us. We were all full-time working hard, things were good, but in a matter of weeks, uh, we went from 10 full-time working adults to seven. Only three s- had a job, and you go from like 100 to zero in a matter of weeks. You have a, you have a reality check, um, and when, you, when it's your, your kids, and they've never gone through something like this, to kind of add on what you were saying as we prepare our, our teenagers for adulthood that they don't have, like you said, they don't have perspective. They don't have a baseline. This has never happened. They just think what's going on is how it should always go. So when we have a major disruption, like our country is currently facing, those conversations that you have are critical and helping them realize during any disruption, it all innovation always happens. And some of the conversations that I have had with um, my adult kids is there there are, let's say, 25% of the population is unemployed. Well, that means three-fourths of the population is employed. Now, are they full-time? Is it exactly the same? Maybe not. There's a percentage that, that isn't. But to keep that perspective of everybody isn't in your position. Everybody isn't just like you. As a matter of fact, I don't think I knew anybody, or at least at this point, that had been so adversely impacted like our family has. I live in Central Florida, so we live in a tourist, high-service-based industry down here. And, you know, we've had to walk them through, when you have got this kind of disruption, where can you identify a problem and start creating a solution for it? One of the ways that I've seen is these people, when... We, when everybody was talking about the mask situation, people hit to their sewing machines and started creating masks and selling them online for $3, $5, $15. And they were getting custom and they were getting embroidery. And, you know, there's always ways to make money when you're faced with a crisis or a challenge. And would you agree with that? Well, I think every crisis comes opportunity, you know, with crisis comes opportunity. And, you know, some people are energized by sort of the challenge in front of them and others retrench. They're very much the opposite. Some of that might be more about some 
general temperament, you know. So I think that there are always opportunities. And like you said, if you're of that mindset, like if you clearly have that entrepreneurial spirit, that entrepreneurial mindset, and it's much easier for those folks to try and pivot and find the silver linings to what's happening around them. Mm -hmm. Um, But some people aren't built like that, right? And so for those you know, there's a different way of having to work through it. So when it when it comes, you had this COVID thing that came came out of the blue. Like you said, we had really good economic numbers. Unemployment was at all time lows. I mean, all the all the economic data that you want to see was in the right direction. You felt good. So we were approaching it from a position of strength. And then mm-hmm. COVID hit out of the blue. So the first thing about about good money management or good financial management is Good financial management is proactive. Mm. You have to think in advance. You can't be reactive. If you're always reacting, if you're always behind the curve or even just on the curve, when a disruption occurs, you're automatically thrown behind. Mm. It's like you're, you're knocked in the hole. Now you got to try and dig your way out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so the, the best defense really is a strong offense. And I hate to be cliche, but that is that's definitely the truth. If you're in a strong financial position going into something like we faced, any disruption to your life. Mm-hmm. And when I say if you're in a strong financial position, I mean you recognize the importance of having some cash on hand, you know, money in an emergency fund just in case. Mm-hmm. You recognize the importance of not having a lot of debt on your books, right? Having some debt for the right types of, you know, goods, uh, whether it's education or a home or something like that kind of a necessary evil in today's world, but having a lot of consumer debt, credit card debt, maybe even car debt that's very expensive, that's really going to work against you when you have a disruption to your income. But that's not something you can really address when that situation is thrust upon you. You've already have to be prepared because you obviously can't get out of debt when you have no job. Mm. (laughs) So that idea of um, being very proactive and being mindful, you know, always forward looking with your money is so important. Along those lines is if you, again, and I keep, I don't mean to keep harping on this idea, <laughs> but if you understand what, what's important to you, what your values are, that's going to help you when the, when the hard times come, because you already know what's at your core important to you. You know, I think one of the, so, so like now, if you did lose your job or if you were married and one of you lost your job, what you would naturally do is you would, you would cut out all the things that are frivolous from your life. All the spending that really was meaningless, you would cut that all out in an instant. You wouldn't even have to think about it that hard. Mm-hmm. And then you would focus in on, you would just hone in on those expenses or those responsibilities that were most important to you. Like, obviously, you have your obligations. You have to pay your mortgage, and you have to you know, pay your utilities and stuff like that. And then the discretionary spending on top of it, those dollars are almost for certain going to go towards the things most important to you. Mm. Like, you're not going to go out to dinner if you're not able to um, you know, take care of your daughter. Right, right? You're going right. to probably put dinner aside you're going to say, we're going to eat at home and I'm going to put this money towards my kids. So your values will naturally bubble to the surface during a crisis. But why wait for a crisis? I mean, it's a horrible time for that to come to light. If you can think along those lines in advance, then you're already halfway there because, you know, you've cut out all the sort of the the not important things, or at least you've identified what's not important in your life. Right. And then 
it's easy to let that stuff go to the wayside. And that's what I'm seeing today. I'm, I'm actually seeing a lot of resiliency in people because this COVID has forced them to focus on what's most important to them. And part of that is money driven, but part of that is they can't leave their homes. Right? <laughs> so their routines are disrupted and people do so much spending out of just pure habit. They just do it. They do the same thing they've always done in slightly different way. They go out to eat a couple times a week. They go out with their friends. They do this or that. And then they have, they're forced to be at home for two months. I can't tell you how many women I've heard say, you know, I didn't, re- I, I didn't realize how much of an introvert I was. Like, I really, I'm really enjoying this pace. I'm enjoying not going out all the time. Mm. I, I, I didn't realize how tired I was because <laughs> I was going out all the time. And this is so much better, but they never would have come to this place mm-hmm. if it wasn't forced upon them. That's you know, so true. So, yeah, so good money management is all about you as a person, which is not really talked about. You talk about budgets and investing and all that. That's what you hear from the normal financial circles. But if you're misapplying your dollars, it doesn't matter how much technical knowledge you have, you're always going to be running in place. Right. Um, And, you know, as we kind of conclude, I just want to, listeners, I want you to kind of write some points down if you missed them when Ed was talking about it throughout the podcast. But, you know, he's really going, he really wants to help you uh, through and create generational change. Let's just say your mom and dad or your mom wasn't that great with money. That doesn't mean you can't break that cycle. Everything is changeable. You can break those cycles and you can uh, become more efficient, more uh, uh, equipped to, to make wise business wise um, money decisions. Uh, he talked about you know knowing what you want out of life, how important that is, and that money is a tool. And like every tool, you have to know, you have to learn how to use it and use it wisely. And, you know, just that the biggest thing uh, is that uh, what we are working towards, I mean, why are we doing this thing called work anyway? It's, there's a, there's got to be a goal in mind, because that helps you to say no to the things that you really just need to say no to. So you can say yes, to the things that matter more to you. Um, And he just talks about it's, it's value based decision, what matters to you and what's important to you. If you say and I talk about this a lot, if you tell me what is important to you, and it's going to be important to you in 5, 10, 15 years, if that's really important to you to be financially independent or to be able to have said you've put your kids through college, whatever that is, you have to work on it today. And one of the things Ed said was be proactive, not reactive. Now, unfortunately, many people are caught and, and, they're, re, and they're having to be reactive now. They're trying to pivot. They're trying to figure out what to do, what's, what's going to happen next. But it's important for you now to get a good handle on this so you can start making wise decisions. And I really, listeners, I, I really, I want, I want to encourage you to go over to Enlighten Her and, and check, out, check out the website. See what Ed and his partner have to offer and share. Because women, you know, knowing how to manage money and to make wise investments, to be able to contribute intelligently to a conversation. Like I'm, I look at the stock market every day and people don't know that about me. But I am constantly looking at different investments that I have, stocks that I have, um, property that I have, rental property that, that we have. And I'm constantly keeping up on that. And that takes, it does take time, but you have to be committed. And the reason it matters is because something that Ed said is what I know what's going to matter to me 
in a few years, uh, in 10 years, in 15 years. And I know what I don't want to have to be doing. I don't want to have to be, you know, grinding the, the 40 hour work week when I'm older, I want to be doing some other things and I want to have some passive income coming in. And, you know, that's what Ed focuses on. He will help you, uh, think, uh, break down probably mental barriers that you have to money or uh, kind of like help you overcome objections that you have to it and make you more uh, equipped and confident that you you can uh, be and manage the money that you have and be a contributor to your family or if you're the sole provider of your family that that you can make the best decisions possible so Ed, I would love for you to just kind of give us just like a, a, a takeaway, a rich nugget that we can kind of close this segment out with. I think the most important thing is just to begin with the end in mind. Just to start with a very simple exercise and just ask yourself, what really, is, what really matters to me in life? What's most important to me? What stirs my soul? If I could only accomplish one thing, what would that be? Mm-hmm. And then I would take a step back and say, am I aligning my resources towards that goal, to that end? And in particular, am I aligning my financial resources? Because you know, being our most important personal resource, um, it can enhance whatever we apply it towards. And, if, and I know if I'm applying my limited dollars to the most important things in my life and I'm letting everything else fall to the wayside – there's a really good chance I'm going to have a good life. Mm, that's good. That's very good. I I so appreciate you uh, coming on the program and talking about that. And, you know, folks, I often use this analogy when I'm speaking. You know, uh, people will say, well, how do you make a million dollars? Like, how do you do that? And I say, well, you go to somebody who has made it. You don't go to somebody who's trying to figure it out because you don't know if it's going to work or not. And Ed's been in this business for over 20 years, and he has got a wealth of knowledge. He's probably... If he hasn't seen and heard at all, he's probably heard and seen close enough to what you're walking through. And the, even the excuses you have or the reasons you have or the issues that you've, you know, have hit you, been blindsided by. And he'll be able to help walk you through those. So make sure you go check out Ed Vargo, Enlighten Her, some great programs on there that you just don't want to miss. And just remember what he said, plan with the end in mind. So thanks for joining me, Ed. I'm glad you were on the program today. And... Um, just pouring into the listeners. I know they're going to be absolutely checking out what you have. So you are, to give us real quick, tell us, uh, you are you on social media? We are on Facebook, yep. So if you go to Enlighten Her, just look for Enlighten Her on social media and we'll pop up there. And as you mentioned, I think the best place to, to go is just to our website at enlightenher.com. Check out the blog. There's a ton of stuff on there. Speaking directly to women, it's a, a site that's geared strictly to women. And if you have a teen who you're trying to to connect with and having some conversations with, we have a a conversation starter PDF. I would uh, encourage you to download. And in the not too distant future, we're coming out with um, an online course called Money Talks with Teens. Again, very much geared towards moms and their teen daughters and uh, how to have real conversations about money and how to position money in your life. I mean, it's appropriate for for single women, for women without teens as well, because it's a lot of things we talked about today about values-based decision-making, et cetera. But, um, that sounds yeah, like we ought to have you come back for a, a specific teen-focused podcast with money because they're, they're trying to figure all this, 
this world out right now, and it's it looks like a hot mess to them. <laughs> so, Ed, thanks again for coming. Listeners, thanks for joining me on the Equipped to Be podcast. I am your host, and I look forward to you. If you enjoyed this program, I would love for you to subscribe and leave a review. I have learned over time that, boy, these reviews, they sure do matter, and they help us be able to continue this program. So thanks for joining me, and you have a great week. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.